Stephen Florin is a developer advocate on the Angular team, actually the developer relations lead on the Angular team at Google. We recently talked about uh, some technical stuff on performance in Angular and uh, Ionic. If you want to improve your Angular Ionic applications, uh, this is worth listening to and I hope you enjoy it. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Of course, thank you so much for having me. All right. So first of all, uh, can you introduce yourself uh, to the audience sure. so they get to know who you are? Yeah. So my name is Stephen Fluin. I am a developer advocate on the Angular team at Google. So I lead our developer relations. And so my my role really at Google has two parts. The first part is to help developers and organizations be successful with Angular. And the second is to understand what it's like being a Angular developer in the real world so that we can reflect those needs onto the team as we're continuing to evolve the platform. Uh, so on a day-to-day -day basis, I work with a lot of large companies and partners that use Angular. I manage our GDE program, uh, and I speak at a lot of conferences, and I build a lot of apps with Angular. Oh, great. great. Um, there are a lot of things I would like to talk to you about. Uh, I have a lot of questions about Angular that I'd like to ask, but... Uh, my main goal here is to talk about performance, which I know is, uh, is something the Angular team takes uh, seriously. Um, so as Ionic developers, uh, we've been using Angular since uh, Ionic 1, first version. And, uh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, sometimes uh, some of the developers tend to do certain things or do not do certain things, and it affects uh, performance. Uh, with the app. So, so my goal here is to help uh, the audience, or all of us, so we can get to see what we should do, what we shouldn't do, uh, so we, we can uh, have uh, faster apps using Angular uh, framework. Awesome. I, I think so, that's a, a really good goal, and I, I think that aligns, just like you said, with a lot of things that the Angular team is trying to do. So one of our, our core values is apps that users love to use. And performance is a big part of that. When a user has a faster app, they're more likely to continue to want to engage in it and be happy to do so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, for, first of all, what is ng-zone? What is that? Sure, sure. So, uh, zones.js, uh, or the, uh, one of the, is one of the polyfills that we include in your applications. So, we created zones to solve this fundamental problem in change detection, which is, Someone has to let you know when something has changed. Um, and a lot of things we can detect kind of automatically in Angular. So when a event happens, um, when you trigger a lifecycle event with a component, when you render a component, all these things are part of Angular and we can detect them very, very easily. But in JavaScript and in, in HTML, there's a lot of things that are harder to detect when they've happened. Uh, and so what we did is we created uh, Zone.js, which is kind of a separate JavaScript project that, that we rely on heavily. And what Zone.js does is it monkey patches uh, a lot of the asynchronous events that happen in the browser, like timeouts, like uh, web requests, right? like XML HTTP requests. Um, and then 
we were able to detect where they originated from. So by understanding who initiated a, a timeout or an XMLHP request, we can say, hey, was this an Angular thing? Where, where did this come from in the application? Where did this come from in the page? And then we can automatically trigger change detection um, as part of that asynchronous event. Okay. Again, how, how, what does uh, this have to do with the performance? Sure. So, uh, zones is, is really a nicety for developers. Um, what, it, uh, the original intent was, was that if you in your JavaScript wanted to create a timeout, uh, and then do something after the timeout completes, we would, um, both be able to understand that the timeout was created by your Angular application by a specific component or part of your application. Um, so it originated in the ng zone, so to say. And then we could trigger change detection only when that asynchronous event uh, happened. And so uh, the way that this comes into performance is because you have to be a little bit aware of when uh, zones is triggering change detection because you you might accidentally be triggering it too often via zones. So a, a great example of this is um, if you have a bunch of events such as asynchronous uh, things that are happening in your browser, that could be triggering zones more often than you intend to, or you could be triggering change detection more often than you intend to. We, we see this happening uh, in a lot of uh, hybrid applications. So if you're trying to run AngularJS and Angular at the same time, uh, AngularJS might be triggering change detection in your Angular app. Uh, and the reason that this all matters for performance is because change detection is actually one of the most expensive things that happens. So we, we've made it, it uh, more than 10 times faster than it was in AngularJS, but uh, it's still, we basically have to check all of your components, uh, depending on how you have them configured, uh, and then rerun all of the expressions to say, hey, did something change as part of this application that we need to re-render? Okay. okay. So how do we solve this? Since uh, it's always a check-in, and if you have a lot of uh, components, it will check everything. So what's the uh, best practice? What should we do? Sure. So there's really two sides to this this problem, uh, because you you want to reduce the number of times you're triggering change detection, and second you want to reduce the amount of time it takes to do change detection. Uh, so on the reducing the number of times uh, change detection is run, it's really important to if if you are running into performance issues to kind of whip out the Chrome Dev Tools Flame Chart, and what the Flame Chart will show you is um, it will show you what parts of your application are triggering change detection. I, I was working on a project a few weeks ago, and one of the things I was noticing was that, for example, uh, AngularFire, which is a, a really cool library for accessing Firebase within Angular, uh, the AngularFire auth um, module actually triggers something like change detection every 300 milliseconds or three seconds, I, I, I forget. Um, and we, we had a developer that was uh, accidentally creating multiple connections to that same backend. So instead of sharing a an auth flow, they, they had each of their individual components and actually, uh, which actually created hundreds of connections back to that Firebase backend. And each of those hundreds of connections had a this 300 millisecond timer on it. And so change section was running kind of hundreds of times a second. Uh, and so you could see that in the flame chart because every, every few couple milliseconds, the entire change detection cycle would run in the performance, and, and that was really, really slowing down the application. And so if you, if you pull out the flame chart and look for how often things are happening in your app, uh, that can be a key indicator of maybe you're running change detection too often. 
The the other side of that is, uh, let's say that you're you're running change section at the meaningful moments as part of your application. Uh, you should now look at reducing the size and difficulty of the change section pass. And so, uh, Angular's actually got a very very efficient change section. So we we do a uh, depth first search of your Angular application, saying, hey, based on this view, should we change check each of its templates? And then what we do is we just recurse down your component hierarchy. So because we have this very nice kind of directed component hierarchy, we can do all of it in a single pass, and we know there's not going to be side effects. But what you can actually do is you can dive in and you can take a deeper control of which components are being change detected. And the, the number one strategy cool. there is called on push. So in the decorator for a component, so if you know the at component decorator at the top of an Angular component, you can add another piece of metadata that's called change detection strategy. And you can set that strategy to something called on push. And what that does is it puts it in kind of a, a more of a pure mode. And what it says is basically this component will only change if one of its inputs change or one of its um, observables emits a new value. And so via this kind of contract, the application can get much smarter about when it needs to check that component subtree. And so uh, if a component is on push, then none of its children will get checked unless something changes. And, and this, this actually means that uh, you could take the entire change action graph and cut it in half or more, depending on what your component structure looks like. Oh, okay, okay. So, um, uh, are there other strategies that you can use? For um, yeah, so, I mean, so on push is definitely the one that, uh, if you think about like 80 20, it's, it's 20% of the work and it's going to give you 80% of the value. Um, but depending on your application, uh, Angular gives you a lot of other controls as well. So, uh, for example, you can actually inject the change detector service itself. And you can take complete control of change detection. So we, we had a example of a, a big financial firm and they were, they were doing a test of Angular and they wanted to stress test and see how far they could push it. And so they, they derived this, um, somewhat arbitrary, uh, challenge to themselves, which was they wanted to show a number of stocks on the screen at the same time, but they wanted each stock to have a 50 millisecond, uh, pipe or basically a 50 millisecond WebSocket stream coming in where it was emitting new data. And so with each of the stocks on the screen getting their own new data every 50 milliseconds, they wanted to see how many stocks on the, the screen that they could see. So they went from something like 200 uh, on screen at a time to up to something like 500 with on push. Uh, but w when we talked to them, we, we wanted to push that they could actually go further with this. And so what they did was they manually took control of change section by injecting that change section service and then they they would explicitly detach nodes from the tree, and then they would only run the change detector when they uh, explicitly knew that something wanted to change. So they actually set up their own change detection lifecycle, um, and this is something you can do in Angular. So we don't recommend this for most developers because it's it's kind of overkill. But if you have some very complex, some very beautiful application that you're you know exactly when you need to re-render, you know exactly when something's changed, uh, you can take fine-grained control of the change section, attaching and detaching nodes from it and triggering it exactly when you want. So there, there's this concept of, in the change structure, you can det completely detach a component, you can mark a component dirty, or you can trigger the change structure entirely. Okay, so so let me see what I get you right. 
So you can use the auto push uh, strategy 